Well, welcome to another episode of Season 2 of Cohort W. I am your host, USAWAC faculty member and current Warrant Officer Historical Foundation Fellow, CW5 Leonard Mominy. In today's episode, my incredible guests will share some personal and professional experience, mentorship, and leadership as a Senior Warrant Officer. The Senior Warrant Officer will then examine how this insight should ultimately influence action, development, and education within their core and possibly even the greater cohort. The conversation is directed at leader development, talent management, and what they are doing to support the Army for large-scale combat operations. Finally, all Cohort W guests have an opportunity to share a favorite anecdote from their career as a senior warrant officer. Today, I'm joined by the U.S. Army AG Corps Command Chief Warrant Officer, CW5 Hickman. Thanks so much for your time today, sir. Good morning, sir. Great to be here. Can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm CW5 Mark Hickman. I currently serve as the Chief Warrant Officer of the AG Corps, um, which includes both the 420 Alpha Human Resources Technicians and the 420 Charlie um, Bandmasters. Um, it's a fantastic position. I'm out here. I'm here out of uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina um, at the Adjutant General School. Um, part of a lot of the job has to do with um, the responsibility for the dot mil PF spectrum for for the management of uh, of the cohort, um, and as well uh, a lot of interactions with the students that are here too. But uh, I've been serving for I've been in the army for about thirty one years. I've been a warrant officer since two thousand four. I came over um, when I was a sergeant first class. I had about eleven years of service and never expected to uh, be around this long, but. I figure as long as I'm having fun, and I enjoy coming to work today. I might as well continue um, to do that, and uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride. And, uh, definitely learned a lot, and I've learned a lot from a lot of other folks too. So um, it's a it's been it's been a fun ride, and uh, still continue to love serving as an as an AG warrant officer and as a warrant officer and a soldier every day. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, MOS, the MOS title, and uh, what your feeder may have been? Yeah, for sure. I personally am a 420 Alpha, a human resources technician. Um, the current, in our current environment, the uh, the feeder MOS for that is 42 Alpha, human resources specialist. I came in when we had uh, five different MOSs, um, and I was a personnel record specialist, 75 Delta, when I first came in in 1992. Um, but we have translated, we've really combined all of our HR MOSs into 42 Alpha, um, and that is our current feeder MOS um, so really, we provide that expert um, HR support, um, experience, uh, systems and education and everything for, you know, soldiers across the Army. Today is the second day of IPSA for the active component and the reserve component. We, are, we had our birthday yesterday, so we have that evolving system and there's a lot of there's a lot of AG warrant officers putting in. Um, a ton of work getting those day one tasks done as it becomes, I think, believe it's being released to the rest of the Army to individual soldiers to use. It's the 6th or the 9th of January. I have to go back and look, but uh, we're pretty we're pretty excited. We're pretty excited about that. Um, on the personal side, I, I have uh, I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree uh, in business account, uh, business administration and human resources. I was certified with the Senior Professional Human Resources Certification out of the Human Resources Certification Institute, and I actually did a training with industry job there uh, before taking over as the proponent here 
um, a few assignments ago. And before coming into here, I was the uh, senior HR tech for First Core. Uh, you mentioned that you know you've been in for a hot minute, and you talked about Ipse's birthday. Can you talk just a little bit about that technological gap we've jumped since? When you've come in and what Ipse kind of means to us? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, right now it's one system, kind of one of the one of the titles for Ipse or one of the taglines, if you are, is one one soldier, one system, um, one record. Um, really, in the past, between the different components, um, a lot of different policies, a lot of different rules for doing things, and really a ton of legacy systems. When I first started out, um, for information to get to one place to the next, you know, there was punch cards, and then there were tapes, right? So we'd, we'd enter all the information at, at, a, at a certain level, and then we'd pass those tapes up all the way up to the uh, to the to the total army personnel database, and then we'd get tapes back. So there was always probably you know 15 to 30 days lag of information with soldiers and and obviously as as we've trans we've gone through different systems we went through sippers and then the emailpo um and in our moving into ipse to where everything is very real time you know one of the great things about ipse is the accountability for it. it's one of the reasons uh, ipse um, and its predecessor diamonds were first created is because the uh the Congress has demanded more accountability and auditability, and we didn't really do very well with that in our personnel systems. But but soldiers now can audit, you know, their actions as they go through now too. I can I can submit a leave phone from my phone, and sometimes yes ones, you know, they'll get a hard time in jest, if you will. I hope it's in jest, you know, through social media and stuff like that about them always losing their stuff. Um, but you can track all your actions right through it. Say right from your phone, you can tell whose desk is sitting on their their, their virtual desk, if you will. Um, and where the process is going through and comments throughout the, the period as well, too. So there's a lot of great things. Um, it is a huge transfer, transformational system to where they had to convert a lot of data. And that's kind of what's going, it's been going on in the system for about the last month. Um, is this data translation, um, and data movement over to the IPSA environment? But it's, it's sort of, uh, the army's yeah. version of Y2K. Yeah, I mean, you, you could call it that, but it's just, especially when you're taking, you know, systems from different ways, you just think about translating, your, just like you said, right, different date formats and trying to get those all into a singular thing. Um, you know, and there was, you know, sometimes I could just top load a, a, uh, a PT date or PT or an ACFT data. And really, you know, I didn't necessarily have to use the record sources, um, you know, to where it should be being put into DPTMS. And that's why there's been such a big push to get all that information there is really trying to make sure that we're, we're, the data is synced. It's all talking the same language. Um, it's on a PeopleSoft platform. So there's going to be some language changes as well, too. Um, you'll no longer be taking leave. You'll be taking, uh, you know, absences. You won't um, be... Uh, an arrival or a gain to a unit, you'll be a new hire. Um, so there's a lot of different language things. And, there, and honestly, there's going to have to be a big cultural change within the army to being, you know, to doing things within this system and to avoid trying to do things outside of the system. And then just getting it in later, there's a lot of, you know, bureaucracy, I think, in some of our old personnel systems um, and how we process actions and paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, we want to, hopefully this is an opportunity to eliminate a lot of that bureaucracy 
Um, and it shows a lot of accountability for our processes, um, but it's going to allow us to do a lot of future talent management things too, to where, you know, you don't have an ORB, ERB, SRB anymore. You have a soldier talent profile um, and you can, and you can look at that, you can look at that stuff and you can, you know, we'll, as the system continues to um, improve and add on, you know, this is release three, release two is all to the national guard. And they've released that over the last two, three years where they've been working already um, but it will continue to move forward um, at some point it'll be a pay impacting assignment right to when you get when you get hired into a new location your BAH automatically changes so all your different um, all your different pay impacting things will automatically be done in the system and there won't be this you can just dimpose at, at the different uh, installations it'll go it goes directly to the US Treasury um, we're building out you know there's been a lot of big push with uh, knowledge skills and behaviors and aligning people's KSBs and talents up with with particular um, jobs and the management of all that stuff and all that's just going to be continually built into IPSA probably over the next I would guess four to seven years and it will be continually uh, an evolving system but it's going to be get allow us to get much much better at um, utilizing understanding knowing talents and being able to use those talents to be able to do um, a lot of data analytics within there to hopefully kind of solve some problems um, and maybe understand trends etc um, and really, it's and it will allow us to be auditable as well too to the U.S. Congress and to the U.S. Uh, taxpayer um, that we are um, we can we can validate and we can and we can show. I suppose you know it's kind of like doing your taxes, and you can just tell them, "Hey, I don't owe you anything," or you can prove it, right? So there's a, there's a requirement for us to prove it there too, and this system will definitely allow us to do that. So I'm pretty excited about Ipsay. You know, I kind of kind of wish I was still down in the trenches and being able to be um, part of the the daily action officer, if you will. But uh, I know there's a, a lot of amazing warrant officers across the army um, who are really getting after this, and uh, I can't. Uh, I can't be any prouder um, to be an AG warrant officer than I am really today. Obviously, IPSA is doing quite a bit for the Army, not just the AG Corps, but the Army writ large. Um, and, you know, that's a very huge initiative with a lot of different moving pieces. So um, how are, are, are you working leader development with the uh, warrant officers in your Corps to prepare them to better uh, serve the leaders that they support, uh, especially with the IPSA rollout? I think I don't know how much IPSA rollout really aligns with leader development. Um, I am somebody who is an incredibly huge fan of our talent development models that you find in DA PAM 600 3. Um, and it shows really to what we believe we want warrant officers to do. Um, and in my terminology, I always say that they'll be impactful at the next level. I want them to get the right experiences. You know, you should go into your key developmental and your broadening assignments and make sure you're going to your PME and, and seeking out certifications and extra education. And, and really along all three pillars of, of development, the self-development, the experiential, the institutional. And it's really, you know, everything you're doing is a two and you're crushing it and you're killing it. But I want you to do all the right things so that when you move to the next level, you're going to be impactful. Um, you know, if you just stay in the same job for 10 years and you become a W4, probably longer than 10 years, be 5, 10, 12 um, years, you, pro you perhaps you get selected to be W4. And now we move you to this, op to this assignment that we really need you to be um, effective in. 
And perhaps you just don't have those experiences to be impactful. And I really want folks to continue to um, talk to their mentors, talk to their assignment officers, understand, um, you know, the developmental goals of our branch um, or whatever their branch is and understand probably the reasoning behind those things so that when they are put in, you know, different positions where we're trying to manage talent is that you're not siloed in, into one particular thing. Um, perhaps you can even go out and, and get some special talents, right? And there's a big thing with data analytics right now. We don't have a whole lot of data scientists across the Army, but we really want people to go out and we want them to learn Power BI. We want them um, to learn, um, you know, how to sometimes do some coding and maybe understand Python and all these other things because, there, it brings a lot of, uh, you can really impact an organization if you have a lot of those skill sets. So I know there's a lot of functions and there's a lot of push. Um, and we continue to look for opportunities um, to not only provide that within PME, but also to provide other opportunities for people to continue to gain those skills. Because I do want folks that are able to be utilized across a broad spectrum um, because of the experience that they have and the education that they have. So I'm, I'm a big fan. I talk about, uh, and maybe this is later on, but I'll just kind of jump into it now. I believe that as warrant officers, technically, we can be very effective wherever we go. Um, but there's a lot of inherence that go with becoming a senior along the way to, to where there's inherent responsibility um, for the mentorship development management of subordinate warrant officers, either within your MOS or um, perhaps if you're the senior for a brigade or something, our 915s are usually the senior in the brigade, that they have an inherent responsibility to not just be accomplish their technical requirements, but also to be a leader. Um, you know, and you're not going to find a lot of that stuff in any regulation or any DA PAM or anywhere. But the impact that people can have when they do the inherence is just so incredibly impactful, if you will, right? You can, you can truly make a difference in building a network in mentoring and developing the future, your, your replacements and future warrants. And that's really where somebody's legacy is really built. Somebody's legacy is not really, it's not about your accomplishments, but it's really the accomplishments of those who, who come behind you that you've been able to touch. So when I, when I kind of talk about what we're doing for leader development, talent management, generally that's where I fall in those roles to where I want people to do the right thing so that they're going to be impactful at the next levels and where they're also serving, but also leader development to continue to provide opportunities, experiences, um, and challenges, and, and really to be able to increase that leadership role within the warrant officers, because, you know, it's not something that's always expected, but it's something that just pays absolutely uh, insanely huge dividend. I'm an educator. I'm always looking for innovative ideas on education. And I know as a, uh, uh, you know, the chief warrant officer of your core that you have thoughts on education and, and things of that nature. So can you offer some thoughts on how you feel warrant officer education can be best modernized? I have uh, I have a lot of uh, strong opinions, and, but then and just be known to, to, to you and the audience, right, that they are my opinion. There are a lot of opportunities for warrant officer education to be modernized. Um, and I think for, and I think that means something different for every branch. Um, for me, I, I do need some more time, right? So we definitely have, as, as we become more and more technical and we talk about, you know, new things with data analytics and artificial intelligence and, and all of these things, the Army only allows me so much time for PME. Um, and I have to get after, you know, critical skills within those, within those PME things. So I don't necessarily have 
the space all the time to bring in modernized training to really to get folks towards the tea leaves that we're reading um, or toward these additional things. Sometimes I only have time to get after the basics. So for me, modernization requires more time, requires more resources. I think some of the best ways to modernize your training is just to hire really, really good instructors um, and be very deliberate about your talent management to bring in instructors to ensure that they can not only come in, but they can also close some gaps and they have some unique experiences they can pass along. Um, the most important position I have in my branch um, of all 470 active duty 420 alphas is my WOBC instructor because they have such a huge impact on, on folks. So um, is that really modernization? Not really, but it is an extension of talent management. I do think if you look at some other branches who have already made some some huge strides um, using artificial intelligence, using um, gaming almost, if you will, um, to to be able to get additional sets and reps on things, then I think that stuff is really good because really I think that's what we need. Is we need additional sets and reps. We have to be able to look forward and see what what those future technologies are, um, and then we have to go find. That's kind of what our training with industry uh, program does, and we have to go find someplace outside the army to go grasp those skills and then bring those skills back. Um, and insert them in a professional way into our into our uh, into our PME. But modernization, you know, we definitely have to be able to take a look at what's important to maximize and use our time. So I won't really use modernization with technology, but I do think that we have to continue to grow and look and see what's important. Um, I have some opinions on the Common Core PME for warrant officers, um, and I know they're going through and they're looking at that really hard now too. Uh, but I just think we have to continually look and understand what the role of the warrant officer is and really use the time that we have to address those things that are most important. Um, I think sometimes we get stuck on some, some stuff that we're kind of tied to uh, legally, if you will, because it is a commissioning course. It is an IMT course. So I think there, be, there can be some modernizations to separate some of that stuff. And we've seen some of that stuff happen as well, too. But it's also very difficult to do it broadly for an entire, you know, for for, for 17 different branches. And, and, and how many of our MOSs? I can't think off the top of my head because we all develop different. We all have modernization means something completely different to an aviator as it does to an AG person than it does to to uh, you know to a uh, to mobilization warrant. So there's a lot of different ways. So I think it's very critical that the branches are provided some space um, and provided some time to really identify what's important to them. And then you know having some some cheerleaders and some folks out throughout the lines that, that that support those things and that they're ready to provide the resources because as the army becomes, you know, as economy and everything else becomes more and more technical, military warfare um, becomes more and more technical there. I, I truly believe that they're going to continue to rely more and more on the war officer to be able to manage that stuff and those systems. Um, so we need to provide them with the opportunity and the time and the resources to be able to be ready to meet those challenges. Well, um, I think you'd be excited to hear about some of the things we're doing at the college uh, as we revise Common Core PME. What would you say to a W3 or even W4 that aspires to someday rise to the position that you now hold, sir? So it's a W3 or W4 that aspires to be a chief warrant officer of the AG Corps. Um, honestly, number one, you got to stick along, stick around. Um, we need 
you know, highly motivated, dedicated, successful warrant officers to continue to serve. I know that we've we've had some problems. I won't say some problems, but some some trends, right, to where we've assessed folks much later in life, and and folks are are making a decision that um, earlier than we would that we would want to separate. So first and foremost, you have to stick around long enough. Um, but then you also need to continue to be impactful, and you need to have a broad spectrum of jobs. There has to be an operational flavor to somebody's background, in my opinion, um, to be most successful in this position because of the proponency aspects to it. It's not just about um, being somebody who sends an email out every now and then. There's a lot of um, deep experience that you provide to a proponent level schoolhouse about the the structure of the cohort, um, the missions of the different structures, um, and the abilities to to tell and understand what those all do, how they fit within that war fighting function. And really just kind of have some conversations along those way too. But it's definitely, it definitely helps to be somebody who's well respected, um, somebody who is, I suppose, all encompassing for all warrants to where, you know, they don't, it's, it's, it's not about, you know, one group of folks over another group of folks or something like that. We are all every, every, every warrant officer that we have is important. Um, to our to our cohort, I do think you have to be a good communicator um, in both the written and spoken form um, to be most effective. Um, but I think somebody, you know, if they wanted to aspire to the rise to the position, I never expected to be in this position, but I definitely would not. I did not pass up the opportunity um, to serve in this position. I think I, w- I had some grooming in my background where I served here um, in the AG school multiple times that has honestly made my transition much easier um, to the trade-off environment. But it's not necessarily a requirement um, for somebody to be a CWAP for them to work in the schoolhouse beforehand. It's just kind of helped with the transition. But more than anything, you know, just be- continue to love what you do every single day. Um, and usually those things come through um, in your work, comes through in your reputation, and really comes through in the impact that you can continue to make um, long term. So I I think that everybody has different desires, what they want to do with their career. And if they aspire to rise something, go figure out what those things are, what those gaps are, talk to the people that are serving in them, and and really just try to figure out, you know, where where the gaps in your swing are, you know, and necessarily where your where your strengths are as well too. I, I continually tell folks, you know, that it's not about you're not trying to fill somebody's shoes. You wear your own shoes, so be who you are, um, and, and be awesome in that space. And and where that leads you is where that leads you, and, and that's quite okay. Just wherever the army decides to put you, or where you're hired to, just just kill it, right? And just make the biggest impact you can. Said that experience is the best teacher. What experience, success, or failure have you learned the most from? That's a great question. Um, I've probably had more failures than I have had successes. At least those are the ones that always seem to come up. I think when it comes to successes, I think sometimes it's just getting outside of your comfort zone and doing things, you know, that are not, not even really hard, but that you haven't done before and you might have some fear to do them. And a lot of times it's just the tenacity, having the tenacity to get after it and go learn it and then execute. Um, I've been asked numerous times to do things outside of my general, you know, scope of responsibilities, you know, not super excited about it at the beginning, you know, where when I've been asked to do it, but being able to go through the process and learn has definitely helped me develop. I think I failed in leadership sometimes. Um, as an instructor, I failed sometimes in leadership. Um, I was placed in a W5 position as a W3. And I, at the, and I apologize to those warrants who were under me now, under me at that point to where 
you know, I didn't really understand or I didn't have the experience and I was probably ready to lead that, that, that large of a, of a group of warrant officers. And I, I like to use the example, you know, I really, to me, it's all about the warrant officers getting together and coming together. But coming into that position, I decided that we were going to do, you know, um, professional reading um, club or not club or whatever you want to call it development to where we had to come together, you know, once a month and everybody had to review a chapter. And surprisingly enough, um, because I don't have any direct authority over these folks, it's through inspiration, desire, mentorship, et cetera. You know, I would get mad when people didn't show up and I'd have to call folks, but everybody was always kind of busy doing army stuff that they had to do for the units. But really, I just wanted to get people together. And when we started going bowling once a month, you know, everybody started showing up. And as warrant officers do, as warrant officers do, when we got together, you know, we just talked about work the whole time anyway. So I was really kind of getting after what I wanted to anyway. Um, but I just kind of learned, right, there's different ways to to motivate and enthuse folks. And and I think there's different leadership challenges that you can that you can overcome. I think that you must always be sincere. You must always be of high integrity. Um, any kind of relationship that you have with soldiers is based upon a mutual level of respect and trust. Um, so you just have to continue to build those trusts, those those respects, and never violate them. Because once you violate them, you're never going to get them back. But some of my best experiences, honestly, is I love being a fly in the room. Um, I love to see how folks that I respect, admire, um, how they operate. Um, and try to take some of those nuggets from them and try to, you know, insert some of those those ways that people approach problems or how they talk to people um, or how they communicate and, and really take the things that have proven to work and just try to to bring those into my own into my own skill set, my own story. And I say, I think that those are the experiences to where, you know, it was better for me to shut up, right, than, than to try to try to get my word in. Um, sometimes they say a closed mouth learns a lot or wait, oh, no, an open mouth gets fed, something like that. I don't know. I'm not so good at my analogies. But uh, nevertheless, you know, in that experience, right, um, yes, you definitely have to ask for ask for opportunities. That's the open mouth piece to get fed. But sometimes you got to close your mouth too and just watch and listen and learn as well too. And if you can take those things and really apply them and, and learn, not only learn, but understand why things are being done, I think that can have a huge uh, impact on who you are as a professional. It's, uh, it's so great to hear senior warrant officers share mentorship with those they seek to serve. Thank you again for your time and for sharing how a senior warrant officer's leadership can ultimately contribute to meeting the Army's needs for both the current and future fight. An absolute joy. Well, for <laughs> updates on Cohort W and the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Simply search for at WOHF1918 or the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation. Finally, to learn more about how you can support programs like this, please visit warrantofficerhistory.org.